This Sunday's Gospel from Luke is one of the favorite choices for Thanksgiving Day, not because it speaks about the gratitude of one leper who returns to give thanks, but because of its implied criticism about the other nine who don't. The theme of thanksgiving for God's blessing makes it, of course, a natural choice to attend the Eucharist on that day, because the Eucharist is the great thanksgiving, the source of all thankfulness. But in fact, there are only few who fill the pews on that day. Now, mind you, I am not blaming, shaming, or criticizing, because to some extent, this is perfectly understandable. Thanksgiving Day is a federal holiday, not a Catholic holy day, so there is no obligation to attend Mass. It's also a day when people are busy preparing a big dinner, or where the more culinarily challenged are busy trying to figure out how to defrost a 20-pound turkey at 8 a.m. and serve it for dinner at 6. And increasingly in our over-commercialized culture, which does not allow for a day off from spending, getting, and having, people will be standing in line early outside a Walmart or a Target store somewhere, waiting for the beginning of the Christmas shopping frenzy. The passage about the ten lepers appears midway through chapter 17 of Luke's Gospel. We heard another small portion of the same chapter last Sunday when the disciples say, Lord, increase our faith. What we have not heard and what was not included are the first four verses of chapter 17, which gives us two sayings, one about causing others to stumble and the other, a challenge to be forgiving. It begins with an awkward double negative in the original Greek. Literally, it is impossible for scandals not to come. Now, jump to today's passage about the one leper who returns to give thanks. Is Luke implying that ingratitude is one of those scandals? That, in fact, the Lord Jesus is personally offended by the ingratitude of the other nine? This seems unlikely to me. When he heals the lepers, he tells them to go and show themselves to the priests. The priests they're supposed to show themselves to are not at 3111 South Aberdeen. They are in the temple in Jerusalem. So these lepers are headed in the same direction as the Lord, as the Lord in obedience to his command. And when they arrive at the temple, they would undergo the ritual prescribed in Leviticus 13 and 14. Three separate rites were required, one on the first day, one on the seventh, and finally, one on the eighth day, when the priest would take the blood of a lamb and apply it to three parts of the cured leper's body, the right ear, the right thumb, and the right big toe. Following that, they would be restored to their communities and their families and allowed to take part in temple worship. But the Samaritan cannot obey Christ, not because he's a leper, but because he's a Samaritan. He would have been as welcomed in Jerusalem as a skunk at a lawn party. If the other nine are merely doing what was asked of them, and if the Lord Jesus knows that this Samaritan, Samaritan cannot go to Jerusalem, why does he bother asking, where are the other nine? The answer cannot be because the hapless Samaritan has nowhere else to go. 
It must be because he has seen something in this Galilean rabbi that the other nine have not. And that's something Jesus himself acknowledges when he says, Stand up and go, your faith has saved you. The Greek word for saved, sosokin, means to be healed, to be made well, to be rescued from danger, to be saved from suffering, and by extension, to be saved from the evil that obstructs messianic deliverance. But however the word is used, one thing is clear, Luke is doing more than teaching us a first-century primer on polite behavior. Lesson number six, always show gratitude in appropriate measure for the gift received. Then why does he tell us this story about the lone Samaritan who returns to give thanks? I think that the answer is found in the word, in a word that only comes at the very end of the passage, the clue word that helps us understand the entire passage, in fact, has none but this foreigner returned to give thanks to God. Foreigner. Even Jesus himself recognizes that the Samaritan is an outsider. Luke wants us to understand that this lone, grateful Samaritan is an image of all the Gentile nations who did not have the benefits, the blessings, and the promises of belonging to Israel, but who will come to believe in Israel's Messiah. We may take this for granted, but Jewish audiences in the first century who heard this passage would have had mixed reactions to its implication, including a bit of both shock and surprise. And that's because throughout their history, the Jewish people have suffered at the hands of their pagan neighbors. From the Egyptians, the Canaanites, the Syrians, the Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Greeks, and the Romans, and by the time of Christ, it was popularly believed that when the Messiah would come, he would destroy Israel's enemies and drive out the Gentiles. But in his desire to save his chosen people, God has done the unexpected, reaching out beyond the boundaries of Israel, gathering, restoring, and reconciling those who were thought to be irretrievably lost. Like the Samaritan whose salvation comes as a complete surprise, we gather at this Eucharist to give thanks for the gift of salvation that unexpectedly comes to us in Christ. And that is why every time we celebrate the Eucharist, it is Thanksgiving Day.